You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles open to Psalm 112. I bet you if I asked you a couple weeks ago, hey, what's your favorite psalm? Probably none of you would have said 112. Well, I'm praying by the end of this little series, that'll be at least in your top five or something like that. Psalm 112. Not a well-known psalm, but that's changing right now. Week two in our two-week mini-series, we're just going through each verse in Psalm 112. And the theme or the thread that we have pulled out from this psalm is immovable. Meaning, the stability security, the surety of a genuine Christ follower. And here's our sermon title for this weekend, Immovable, can't touch this. <laughs> Notice how I said that? <laughs> Immovable, can't touch this. Now, when I hear can't touch this from my generation, I quickly go to the MC Hammer song from 1990, all right? <laughs> the millennials just went, huh? The baby boomers are like, pardon? But the Gen Xers, like me, are like, right on, dude, right on, right? They know what I'm talking about. But that's not exactly where we're going today. No offense, MC Hammer, all right? We're going a little bit deeper than that. I was watching a show recently that was um, studying a skyrise building in the city of San Francisco that's actually begun to lean. Maybe you saw that too. And the reason that this massive skyrise is actually, they can see it tilting, is because ultimately it was not built on a foundation of bedrock. They actually didn't go far enough down. It's ultimately built on sand. And so because the foundations ultimately are in that place on sand, the building's actually starting to lean. And what they're doing now is they're really devising plans of how they're going to redig the foundations under the existing building to get down to bedrock in order that the building may not move, in order that the sky rays may not be touched and therefore be able to lean at all. That's ultimately where we're going today to. Where we are in the psalm, we are resting on a bedrock of truth. Truth for life in Jesus Christ. Because listen, any life built on the bedrock of Christ is a life you can genuinely say, can't touch this. You can genuinely say that. Like your life is built on a house of rock. You're not going anywhere, man. Christ has saved you. You're good. You're secure. Your glory is guaranteed. You will not be moved. You will be remembered forever. In fact, that's our theme verse in verse 6. So let's look at it. And it's our starting verse for this weekend right here. Verse 6 of Psalm 112. For the righteous will never be moved. Again, I trust this is underlined in your Bible. I trust you're not afraid to do that. If you don't have a Bible and you're with us now and you brought that Bible out in front of you, you can underline it for the next person who sits in that seat, all right? And if you really don't have a Bible, then that's our gift to you right now. really is. You can take that Bible. No one's going to say, hey, what are you doing with that Bible? We're going to be like, we're so blessed you are, as long as you promise to read it. Verse 6, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. Notice two promises in verse 6. You see them there? When you're studying God's word, just ask simple questions. What's happening here? Are there promises being made? What's this promise about? Who is this about? Well, there's two promises. Number one, the promise is you are immovable. The righteous will never be moved. The second promise is you will be remembered forever. So you can just make a note. As you're just looking at God's word and just trying to help you and teach you how to study God's word, you're looking at it there. It's so simple, but as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, that's really encouraging. The righteous, one, will never be moved. The righteous, two, will be remembered forever. 
Now think about that. Never be moved, remembered forever. Consider the world's attempts at these things. Our world is in desperation to appear or to seem to be immovable. Our world is desperately trying to cling and hang on to prolong life and to delay death. Our world has a wicked obsession with health, beauty, and overall displaying our rampant insecurity. I mean, look around too and see the obsession with the pursuit of reputation. So many people, all they're concerned about is what people think about them. And they're trying to establish this sense of legacy or accomplishment that will seemingly, I guess in their minds, last for longer than it will actually be. The pride of man in our day appearing to be untouchable or invincible. How much our culture obsesses over, listen, being remembered. Think of the award ceremonies and all the Hall of Fames and all the different things like that. We're trying to hold these people up in honor, which isn't bad. But in the end, it doesn't really work. Celebrities, politicians, actors, musicians, athletes. Their whole life desperately trying to establish themselves in history. But think about it. I mean, this this is where wisdom comes in. How sad it is. They spend a lifetime trying to put themselves up on a pedestal and how quickly they are forgotten. Are you like me ever? Like you're watching a TV show and... And uh, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, and so I'm watching a sports show or something like that. And then they'll bring up a memory of someone, a famous athlete or someone, and it could be a non-athlete too, but someone who, who had died that week. And they give a picture and it's 30-second tribute, and then they just move on like that never even happened. And I sit there, and I'm just like, look at that. That's a famous person, and they get 30 seconds, and then no one really remembers ever again. It's like, look, look at how fragile Look at how much of a mist. And those are people who are famous. And there's the rest of us. Does anyone even know? That's why the book of James says that what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Just like that. That's true. Unless... You belong to Jesus Christ. You see, because for all the world's attempts to try to be remembered and hold themselves up in their own pride and all these earthly accomplishments that in the end add up to zero of eternal value, every single person here, every single person listening who is saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 6 applies to you. For the righteous will never be moved. He or she will be remembered. What's the next word? Forever. Notice the permanence. Forever. You know, there's a sense here in verse 6 that the present life for the righteous um, will be immovable, meaning the present life of those uh, following Christ, there's a steadfastness, there's a strength, there's a blamelessness upon you. And there's no doubt that a life of integrity before Christ is very powerful. A life of integrity in Christ here and now promotes favor from God and promotes stability in Christ. When you love Christ, I was thinking, um, example of this in Scripture, uh, Mark 14, the, the, the woman from the city, she comes and she anoints Jesus. And the Pharisees around her are scoffing. And if he only knew, I love that story. It's one of my favorites in the Gospels. 
But Jesus says this about her. Okay? When she came and wet his feet and cried and, again, anointed him with such adoration and affection, she was said this, Jesus said this about her, said, Do not be mean to her, leave her alone, for what she has done, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, what she has done will be told in memory of her. That's powerful. The righteous will be remembered forever. And the pursuit of Christ, yes, that is true, again, here and now upon this earth. But the greatest application of verse 6, as we look at the totality of Scripture, is the everlasting and reality of everlasting glory, meaning. Think, think, think. Think of the promise of never being moved. Think of the promise of you will be remembered forever. Ever, by God himself. Oh, if Hollywood would have the eyes of faith to see this truth. Again, spending their entire lives selling their souls in many cases to be remembered now. Listen, listen, listen. Such wisdom to be remembered now, but to be forgotten eternally. See, but then there's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, again, provides the house built on the rock, the soul to be remembered for all of eternity. So that's why verse 6 is so powerful. The righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. So we're going to do a little Bible study time, okay? I love Bible study time because we're renewing our minds as to what the Bible says about this truth that the righteous will never be moved, will be remembered forever. Here's a bunch of verses speaking to our security and stability found in Jesus Christ, okay? Get ready. I pray you'll be super encouraged. Uh, John 6, a, a bunch of verses from Jesus himself. He said this, okay? You're having a bad day? Not for long, all right? Not for long. If you let theology impact your mind and your heart. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. If you're taught, loved ones, if you've been taught in the past that you can lose your salvation, try telling that to Jesus, all right? You cannot lose your salvation. If you are genuinely saved in Jesus Christ, Jesus will not unsave you. What he starts, he finishes. He promises all that the Father gives to him, I'm not losing one. I will never, ever lose them. I will never, ever cast out. Encouragement bar, encouragement bar a little bit more right now? A little bit more? Here's the next verse. John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I will raise him up. On the last day, that person will be raised up. Encouragement meter, just maybe a little bit more, a little bit more. Take that bad day, right? Next verse. John 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Eternal security, growing in faith, growing in faith. No one will ever take away those whom Christ has called his own and saved and redeemed. Next verse here. John 11. All what Jesus says. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me did a funeral today. I'm doing another funeral, Lord willing, Tuesday. Look at these promises. Whoever believes in me, though he die, though he die, though he die, yet shall he live. Death is the entrance way to life. You will never be moved. You will be remembered forever. I think we have one more verse, don't we? 
Henceforth, there is laid up for me, says Paul, the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You get to the end, and somehow, someway, figuratively speaking, I don't know, the crown of righteousness will be given to you, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and fully established that you fought the good fight, you finished the race, kept the faith. That day's coming so soon, and we're living, we're living for that day. And I think I have one more verse, don't I? Do I? Yes. John 14, 3. Jesus says, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's coming again, loved ones. Listen, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Encouragement meter, I'm hoping, is kind of up and up and up a little bit, and we're filled with faith, and there's a sense of just understanding how much we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you let these truths kind of roll through your mind and impact your heart, this is the next slide you need to see. It's this one right here. Bam! Take that evil one, right? Right? When you're in that spot, when you're discouraged, when you're fighting through despair, when you have the uh, lies of the enemy in your head like I do more than I care to want or admit, that's how you defeat the enemy. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. And you start cutting up the lies and replacing it with the truth. And today we have the righteous will never be moved and be remembered forever, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ with our status in him in the gospel. That's why it's such good news. Think, pause, consider. You know, we we think about this and we apply this now. Not that that wasn't massive application right there. But here's one of the more powerful applications to this truth. It's this question right here. And I really, I really hope that you'll hear it the way that I've really tried to digest it myself this week. Would you rather be remembered now and forgotten later? Or would you rather be forgotten now and remembered later? You know what I'm saying? Like, which would you really love to have? Would you rather find your life in this life and then lose it in the next? Or would you rather lose your life for Jesus Christ only to gain it or find it in eternity and the life to come? Students, you're about to go back to school in a week or so. This, this, this is so important. And what am I about to say? I don't, I don't, I don't claim it's easy at all, but, but just, just think with perspective, okay? Uh, some of you in high school, it's four years of your life that, trust me, from my experience, those four years, they come and go, and it doesn't, doesn't have that much impact in all the rest of your life. Like, it's not that it's not important, but trust me, the friends that say they're your friends in grade 9 and 10, mm, mm, you know, 20 years later, mm, not that important, all right? You know what I'm saying? I get it though. Because the high school students, university students, is it possible for you to be willing to be maybe not totally accepted now, not fitting in with each moment now, not being in the most cool group now, in order to be accepted and fitting in perfectly with Jesus Christ when you get to heaven for all of eternity? Is it possible for you to understand, I give up a little bit now in terms of what the world says in order to gain everything with Jesus Christ for infinity? See, see that, I, now listen, listen, Robbie, Robbie, you pastor, Robbie, well, well you're, not, you're not in high school, but I was once. 
Hard to believe, I know, okay? You, you don't know my, I know I don't know the pressure. I know how hard it can be in the midst of those peer groups and how lonely you can feel and how depressing you can feel and how, and how discouraged it can be as everyone around you seemingly is not including. But I know this more than that. I know how much Jesus cares about you and loves you. And I know Jesus says the way to follow him is narrow and hard but it leads to life. And I know the second Jesus returns and you see him face to face, you will not regret one moment of being isolated for his glory when he draws you as close as you could ever imagine and never, ever, 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 ever let you go for the rest of eternity. That is a powerful way to live. And that's what's being invited to us as young and old, no matter where we are in our lives today, to believe by faith, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the life to come. And that's so much of what Jesus tells his disciples coming back i'm coming back i'm coming back the righteous will never be moved and he will be remembered forever is it okay if i'm rejected now to be accepted by jesus christ in glory remember what jesus says the first shall be last and the last shall be first this is what he's talking about man all the people that are first in line all the popular people are out they're going to be last men but those who are rejected and scorned for jesus christ they will be first telling you wisdom 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 some of you in your in your workplace right now you're feeling that as well family members you're feeling that as well jesus says to you today he says i got your back trust in me trust in me trust in me this life is not supposed to be easy jesus never promised easy he promised himself he promised his assurance he promised his forgiveness he promised his friendship he promised that we are co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. See what happens in verse 6? Verse 6 flows into the rest of this psalm. I mean, verse 1, Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who delights in his commandments greatly. And now we see this in verse 6, Never be moved, remembered forever. So, what are the impact and the results of that life? When I know I can't be moved, when I know I'll be remembered forever, when I know, can't touch this, I almost danced, but I will not do that. No, no, I will not. I will not do that, all right? So, no, trust me, I won't. All right, so, so what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean that what is the impact or the results of knowing I can't be moved and I'll be remembered forever? That's the rest of our sermon, and it comes in four results, four results when I know I can't be moved, number one is this. Okay, result number one is I will have a firm heart within bad news. I will have a firm heart within bad news. Look at verse seven, okay? He is not afraid. See, when you know who you are in Christ, you are not afraid of bad news. Your heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Uh, we sang today, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why, why, why? Because I am a child of God. See, that, that's it right there. That's it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When you know where you stand in Christ, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. So this is powerful discipleship right here. This is biblical counseling 101. Not afraid of bad news. Notice this, loved ones. It doesn't say he will avoid bad news. 
It doesn't say she will have freedom from bad news. What do we know? Bad news is a reality. Bad news is all around us. Bad news confronts us. Hard news surrounds us. But notice the power. Ready? His heart is firm. Why? He trusts in the Lord. How? In the fear of the Lord, verse 1. It's all connected. I'll say it again. His heart is firm. Why is his heart firm? He trusts in the Lord. How does he trust in the Lord? In the fear of the Lord, he sees who is really in charge and who he really worships and belongs to. So let's, let's reverse that for a second on the screen here. I want you to see this, okay? Biblical theology, here we go. Ready? This is what happens. Often we're going for this and we miss the order. Verse 1 is verse 1 for a reason. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord, when you see Christ in his glory and all his strength and, 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 and his, his attributes and his perfection, well, of course, you put faith. Once you see him, you're like, oh, he's got everything under control. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. That's what happens. That's what faith is. I trust in Jesus. Man, the world's a bunch of... A bunch of lies. I trust in Jesus. So fear in the Lord leads to faith in the Lord. And when you have faith in the Lord, then your heart becomes firm, strong. Your heart is steady. Firm heart in the Lord. See the process there? That's so important. Again, if you go for this step and you miss out on these ones, well, that's why it's not working. Why don't I feel the way I want to feel? Well, because you're being led by your feelings. Start with fact. Put some faith in it. And then watch your feelings go. Feelings are lousy leaders. They are great followers, as we say around here a lot. A great example of this, of course, in the Gospels is the Apostle Peter. Sees Jesus walking on water. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, let's do this. Peter starts walking off the boat, and he's walking on the water. How's that possible? In the fear of the Lord and the faith in Christ, the water becomes firm under his feet. But all of a sudden, the waves and the wind get his attention. His eyes go off to fear the Lord. His faith starts to sink, and he sinks with it. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. And they all get in the boat, and they worship him and say, surely you are the Son of God. Yes, he is. See, the most powerful application of this truth. I'm not afraid of bad news. My heart is firm trusting the Lord. The most powerful application of that is... Facing death. The number one fear of humans, okay? Why? When you know you can't be moved eternally, when you know you're circling Christ in the gospel, you look at death and you join Paul and you say, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Now, here's the challenge, okay? Loved ones, if, if our number one fear has been solved, if our eternity in Christ is secure... If we can say, and I I pray we can, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. If that is true, and let's take an informal survey right now, okay? So I'm asking you the question. I want you to ask, answer to yourself right now. Are you afraid to die, okay? Don't put your hands around that. But just, just, I'm, I'm praying that a lot of our answers would be obviously yes, if we're secure in Christ. If we're not afraid to die, then the challenge is, then why why are we so afraid of so many lesser things? If the number one fear in all of eternity has been solved for us in Christ, then why are we so afraid of things that are seemingly so little in comparison to what is so great? 
this is where the gospel changes everything, right? You say, well, my friend recently betrayed me. Well, Jesus will never betray you. Um, I wish I had more money. I'm stressed out about money. Uh, Jesus is the greatest treasure you could ever have or want or see. Um, My health is failing. Uh, You are soon to be perfect in health and glory. Uh, My boss is a jerk. Uh, Satan is a bigger jerk. And he's going to be fully dealt with at full redemption, reconciliation with Jesus Christ. Like the day is coming where you're not thinking about your earthly boss. You say, well, I'm worried for my future. Uh, No, you're not. Say, what do you mean? How can you tell me I'm not worried about my future? Well, if your perspective is on Christ, your future, you're good. You're good. That's the whole sermon so far. You're good. You'll never be moved. Well, I'm worried about my future job. Okay, I get that. But in relation to eternity, there's nothing to fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hey, is fear real? Of course it's real. I'm just going with you right now of how we combat that big time. It's called the gospel. I'm telling you, man, when your eyes are set on the Lord, man, everything else falls into place. Right? That, that chorus we love to sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of the earth go strangely dim. Of course they do. Because the light of his glory is so bright and shining. And these aren't the lyrics of the song anymore, right? Just kind of added that in, whatever, right? But they're so bright and so awesome that everything else in comparison is seen for what it is. The power of the gospel, loved ones, rehearse it, sing it, read it, eat it, declare it. By the way, by the way, if you're encouraged right now, if what we just did has encouraged you, this is what you have to do on your own. Don't wait for the pastor to stand up and do it. Do it tomorrow morning. Sing it tomorrow morning. I mean, you're sitting there and you're, and you're blow-drying your hair or shaving, whatever it is. I mean, just rehearse the gospel and watch the truth set you free day after day after day. Why it's in here over and over and over again. Think of this, okay? Remember it says in, in, in verse 7, he is not afraid of bad news, hard is firm trusting in the Lord. The greatest combatant of bad news is good news, as in the gospel. The single greatest weapon against bad news in your life is good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A firm heart within bad news. Result number two, result number two, a strong heart when under attack. Look at verse eight now. His heart is steady, he will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. This is encouraging stuff right now. Notice the Bible's emphasis on the heart. Verse seven, verse eight, see that? What's the heart? Mind, emotions, and will. When the Bible speaks of the heart, it's speaking of our entire being. Your whole being is steady and firm. We notice we learn here, bad news, it's coming. Verse 7, it's inevitable, okay? Opposition is inevitable in verse 8. So remember, if you think you can truly follow Christ and not be opposed, then you're reading a different Bible than I am. If we're here right now and we think, hey, follow me, Jesus, and everyone likes me, and everyone's going to be good, and no problems, and that's not what he promised. That's not in the Bible. I mean, let's just talk about opposition. Let's just start with Satan. Satan hates those who fear the Lord. He is terrified of powerful saints in the fear of the Lord. And we know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2. We know that he oversees the spiritual forces of evil, Ephesians 6. We know that he orchestrates and motivates many forces against Christ's followers directly. Now listen, don't be scared, but be wise. Be strong. This is the whole point of our psalm right here, right? 
at the end of the day, we can say to Satan in the midst of the battle, can't touch this. You can try to scare me. You can try to hurt me. You can even kill me. But in the end, can't touch this. Because I'm with Jesus. And when I die, I actually start to live. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Can't touch this. No one will snatch me out of the hands of Jesus Christ. So, the opposition will come. Notice verse 8. The heart is steady. Uh, New American Standard, upheld. NIV, secure. New King James, the heart is established. It's the steady heart. Think about it. The steady heart rooted in the Lord that allowed Joseph to wait while in prison. For Moses to part the Red Sea. For Joshua to conquer the Promised Land. For David to defeat Goliath. For Jehoshaphat to rout the Moabites. For Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. For John the Baptist to be beheaded. And Stephen to be martyred. That led Jesus Christ to be crucified. It was the steady heart. See, you're like... John the Baptist being beheaded is an example you're using for a steady heart? And Stephen being martyred? Like that's supposed to inspire me? Yes. Why? Because you can touch this, but in reality, you can't touch this. Right? What does Jesus say? Don't fear the person who can kill you and after that do nothing. Fear the person who after killing you can send you to hell. Jesus Christ is the one who judges the living and the dead. When you're on his side, man, you're good. You're good. The steady heart. So true. So true. So we have a firm heart, a strong heart, and now result number three, a generous heart. A generous heart. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So, When we take verse 9 in conjunction with verse 3 and verse 5, there's a powerful sub-theme of generosity that's developing here through this psalm. Again, when you're studying Scripture, look for repeated phrases, repeated words, repeated themes. It tells you part of what's happening again within the passage. So again, hear the heart of God for the generous hearts of his people. And isn't it so interesting, okay? You see verse 9? Verse 9 was quoted by Paul. You may have a footnote in your Bible or a cross-reference. If you have that, it should be there. Verse 9 was quoted by Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.9. One of the foremost chapters on generosity in the New Testament. In fact, I want to see that verse in its context. Let's put that up right here, okay? We're going to see our verse from Psalm 112 in the context of the New Testament here. Paul says this. The point is this. One of the foremost chapters on generosity, as I said. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in her heart, his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Next slide. Right? And God is able to make all grace. Remember we talk about that? When we give to the kingdom, God is going to all grace as God decides what grace looks like. All grace abound to you. He's not going to be meager. He's going to pour out grace on some level so that having all sufficiency, this is amazing, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God loves to bless those who are generous to his kingdom that they may continue to abound and be blessed and generous with more kingdom activity. As in, here's our verse from Psalm 112. This is, here's Paul's proof of what he just said. 
as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Generosity, loved ones, is a very big deal to God and needs to be a very big deal to us. Notice in, in, in verse 9, he has distributed freely. I consider freely to be cheerfully, willingly, giving to the poor, it says. Uh, to those who do not have. So, you, you, know, you know, look here for a second. You know how, how many of us, we get in that place and we would, we'd, 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 my, my money. It's mine, right? We're Scrooge. And, and, and we hold it so tight and we're, I'll give you a nickel. Aren't I so kind, right? And you're like, really, buddy? Like, come on, really, right? Fine, I'll give you two nickels, right? And we're just like, man, that guy, what? what? Like, you got so much and you're, that's not distributing freely. Distributing freely is, my hands are open and you're just like, you're just like, hey, Lord, what do you want to do next? You want to give here? Okay, let's give here. I want to give there, give there. And God's like, hey, can I keep trusting you? If I keep trusting you, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep providing for you. I will. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. He loves the generous heart. I'm telling you again, hey, the Holy Spirit has brought this in two weeks in a row. I haven't. Holy Spirit has. Why? He's trying to send a message, man. You fail in generosity, you forfeit blessing on some level. See, what kind of blessing? I don't know. I don't know, but you forfeit some kind of blessing. You, you lose out on grace on some level, according to 2 Corinthians 9. Pause, think, apply, convict. Not just here, there too. Can convict here, here. It's good though, I love it. I love it. I love it. Love generosity. It just seems so anti world. Just seems so Christ. Why? Because we're thinking eternally. Look at the end of verse 9. Ready? Um, his horn is exalted in honor. What does that mean? Here it means the Lord blesses the generous, period. He just blesses the generous, period, as he decides. It will go well. The results of knowing you're immovable firm heart, strong heart, generous heart. And then we end with this, result number four, a sobered heart. A sobered heart. A sobered heart for the wicked. Isn't it interesting, like if, you know, if I'm writing this psalm, I, I don't know if I, verse 10 is where I'd go next, but this, but this is how the psalm ends. And I think it's so important. Notice, the wicked man sees it. Sees what? Sees all that just happened. Sees the righteousness of the Christ follower. Sees the blessings. Sees the grace. Sees the eternal reality of those who trust in the Lord. He sees it and is angry. In fact, not just angry, he's furious. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. Gnashing your teeth. You are grinding your teeth in, in horror and of such anger. Notice, the desire of the wicked will perish. This is indeed a sobering and a serious verse. You know, as much as Christians are often despised in this world, those are Jesus' words, not mine, there will come a day when Christians will be more despised than ever. Now notice the reasons for it here. Ready? So verse 10 says, the wicked man sees it and is angry, right? They see the honor of God upon his righteous. They see the eternal favor of the Savior. The wicked, in this case, are those who have rejected God. They hated God. They didn't follow God. They want nothing to do with God. They've 
They've, they've mocked Christ's followers. They're just the people who are kind of anti-Christ. They've, they've, they've just ridiculed the whole thing. But then at some point in some way, there's going to be this awareness, this awareness of the blessing that is placed upon those who were rejected and scorned and left out. See, we're coming full circle here. To those who didn't fit in, to those who were put aside, to those who were killed, to those who were persecuted, to those who were treated so with such harm. In some form, the wicked will see the blessing of God and they will gnash their teeth in a furious rage. They will melt away. Notice, their desire will, will perish. Everything they live for, it will just be in a moment, will be seen for what it is, nothing. So please pay attention right here. Let's, let's let the seriousness of God's word become the seriousness of this moment for us, okay? Old and young, and everyone in between, listen right now. Wickedness is having its moment now. Wickedness in this world is having its moment. But the day will come where all the smiles of the wicked will turn to gloom. In the Gospels it says they see Christ and they just, and it just says they're filled with gloom. They're so upset at the reality of what they see. Listen, the wicked will face incredible, agonizing defeat. And they will rot from the face of the earth. Spurgeon said that. You may live for wickedness now and have a few parties. But it will, it will result in eternal regret. Eternal regret. You see, this... This is why Jesus Christ came. He came to save us from ourselves. He came to die for the wicked. All of us on one level are wicked. All of us are with sin and depraved. Every single one of us. And by God's grace, we have a way to be set free from our sin and our bondage. By faith in Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. Because once you are saved in Christ, you can't be moved. But if you are part of the wicked, you will face eternal destruction. That's why you have verse 1, blesses the man or woman who fears the Lord. That's why you have verse 6, the righteous will not be moved and remembered forever. And that's why you have verse 10. The wicked will see it, be angry, gnash their teeth. They will melt away and their desire, their desire will perish. That's why then the gospel, the good news is so utterly important. Jesus died that you might live. We end with this, John 3. John 3 on the screen here. I want you to look at this, John 3, 36. what Jesus says right here, okay? And by the way, this is like, like who, who's here right now for this moment right now? The Lord knows. And I pray you know. I pray you know without a doubt. You can't understand forgiveness and grace until you know what you've been forgiven and saved from. Jesus says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath, the punishment of God remains on him. You know, often we like this part. And we leave out this part. This is love. This is love. The world looks at this, they hate it. They, they hate me right now. 
They hate the truth. Satan hates it, but it's the truth that sets you free. Our sin results in death. Jesus gives us life. By the grace of God, we were once wicked and now have been made righteous, not by our own doing, but by the grace of God. And that invitation is for you and I today. And we pray many will have eyes of faith. And to be able to say, to be able to say, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, I will never be moved. In Christ alone, I cannot lose. In Christ alone, I do not fear death. In Christ alone, I will not fear now. In Christ alone, I am guaranteed a future. In Christ alone, Satan's lies are gone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Let's pray. Truly in Christ alone and truly, Lord, from this psalm right here. Immovable. Can't touch this. Can't touch this in Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we prayed at the very beginning, endurance and encouragement for your people now. And we pray you will save those today who do not have a genuine relationship with you. That they might call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Set me free. Allow me to live. Allow me to live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.